listening to Snyder & Associates podcast series, a civil engineering planning and design firm focused on thinking beyond engineering to improve the quality of life within the communities we serve. This episode's host is Tim West. Popularity of synthetic turf has really grown in the last 10 to 15 years. Most schools have access to a synthetic turf field if they don't own one themselves. But a lot of school districts have two synthetic turf fields, or some may even have three. We've worked with a number of school districts that started to incorporate baseball into their synthetic turf programming and facilities. It's really growing. It's a trend that has a lot of advantages. The largest one is the wear and tear on a synthetic turf field. The maintenance is very minimal. You're just grooming back the infill instead of trying to keep up with growing new grass and aerating and fertilizing. It allows you to put multiple sports, multiple PE programs onto the field back to back to back. The other advantage of synthetic turf is that you can get out onto that turf almost directly after a rain event. You theoretically can play in the rain or light drizzle. I've seen where they've run two to three a day practices back to back with different sports teams at small colleges. And as soon as it stops raining, they run the squads back out and get practicing. So it's very multi-purpose, allows for a lot of different activities and the advantages are substantial. The maintenance is low too. The trade-off is that they cost quite a bit to put in initially. And we'll walk through some of those budgets here in a minute. A typical cross-section for a synthetic turf field has fiber and infill systems. Turf backing are all products that you're going to pick out from the manufacturer. What we're focused on for design is the granular drainage layers. There's a two inch layer on the top, which is quarter to three eighths inch chip, clean crushed stone. That allows positive drainage through that layer coming out of the turf backing. And it moves into a four inch base gradation, which is typically similar to a one inch clean with a three eighths minus clean chip in it. It's a little more complicated than that. That gradation is very, very important on both of those two layers so that we have positive drainage that gets directly to the perforated collector pipes that'll be spaced out throughout the turf system. That granular base is wrapped in geotextile fabric and that is all installed with quite a bit of compaction. There's not a lot of infiltration associated with synthetic turf fields. Most of the water that gets through the turf system gets into the collector pipes and onto the storm sewer system. Geotechnical investigation, also soil borings are important with these types of fields. We want to make sure we have an understanding if there's expansive soils or if there's a sand seam or what we have for drainage underneath there. Definitely. You can get by with a little less depth than you can with a track bore when it comes to the geotechnical testing, but it's very important. We're going to get into another specific on why we want to do that here in a minute too. All manufacturers produce generic turf, which has a punch hole backing, has a full rubber infill system, and your choice of a fiber system, whether it's monofilament, slit film, or a blend of the two. This is generally the most inexpensive version of synthetic turf. So this is a great place to start if you're new to synthetic turf products. This allows you the broadest amount of bidders and products. It can open up additional bidders where some types of the proprietary systems will restrict you to certain brands. Some of the unique fiber systems can take many different shapes. Those can be proprietary and protected through copywriting. So if you're thinking about selecting a particular type of fiber system or turf system, you'll want to be aware that the more detailed or the more proprietary that you're selecting for their higher level products that you get to, you're going to be narrowing the number of people that can bid on the project. 
Another system separates the sand as a ballast layer, rubber, or some sort of infill is placed above that. You have a shorter pile height to offset investment into a shock pad underlayment. There's a growing case for shock pads underneath these turf fields. This allows you to save a little bit of money in a shorter pile height, more sand, a little less infill, then your money's going into a shock pad to create that impact zone. Split film systems have a tendency to split. It allows you to encapsulate infill a little bit better and keep it from flying out. The monofilament is more upright and a little more durable, and that can provide the best of both worlds. Durability along with the reduction to fly out. Most of the brands offer a blended fiber system, and that's the way that we've been moving with our recommendations. When you move into alternative infills, there's a lot of experimental infills out there. Most of them have developed to offset heat retainage on fields, and that's especially important in the South. There have also been some biodegradable or recyclable materials that have come onto the market. There's some cork products available. People have really been experimenting with those. Nike Grind consists of recycled athletic shoe soles. So there's a lot of experimenting out there. We're sticking with the tried and true rubber sand mixes, but we've had some clients that want to explore these. And I think the biggest benefit is some of the heat retainage offset by going with a lighter color. You will be spending more money to approach one of these infills and distribute it all across your field. It really adds up. It's potentially a dollar more a square foot. Shock pads are starting to come onto the scene. They're starting to be controversial too because there's a fairly large expense associated with them. A lot of the turf manufacturers say that their base rubber infill systems supply the shock or impact resistance at levels that you would need for safety. There's also been a few studies that have said most of the impact occurs on a field like this, player-to-player impacts and not necessarily player-to-ground impacts when you talk about concussions and other injuries. You'll want to take a look at that carefully. We can help you with some literature on what the trends are, what the latest information is. There's not a lot of shock pads in the turf pads or the turf systems around the central Iowa area. So it's kind of an emerging technology that we're keeping our eye on. Subsoil and granular base is important. We want to make sure that we are looking at the gradation of the rock Subsoils need to be compacted 95% so that they can hold up the granular base and the synthetic turf system. That creates a pretty impermeable layer, reducing infiltration. Most jurisdictions require some sort of stormwater management. The easiest way to do this is to route subdrains to a stormwater basin outside of the field area. We can store some stormwater in the granular base, but we would want that in an extended horizon. So if we wanted to put an extra foot or so of rock, we could utilize the voids in there to store water. But we have to calculate that fairly specifically and work with the city on how we're reducing those flow rates out of the base. It is an option if you're really landlocked, have no extra room, but we have to use a lot of caution on that. But plan on some sort of stormwater management requirement if you're in a larger jurisdiction. The field temperature will rise. It can get into the 130s to 150 range on really, really hot days. There's been some player safety issues, some concern over someone passing out or getting injured from heat exhaustion. Down south, it's a bigger problem where they will irrigate the fields to cool them before practices. Sometimes you can have some different colors in your turf infill, so that could help reduce the heat absorption and reflect more of that heat out. So I would say it's important to consider those issues. We haven't seen a lot of them in the central Iowa turf fields that we've been working on, but it's definitely 
something that should be monitored. Design schedules, we want to make sure that we're taking advantage of January or February bidding. The main reason for that is because the turf manufacturers start to take on their orders in March and April. We want to be more at the beginning of the line and have some control over when our turf products are going to come out versus being at the end of the line and not receiving our turf until late in the summer. 12-week design time, we still want to get geotechnical work going a little bit earlier because we have more design to do. We want to hit that January, February, and not March, April. For construction scheduling, there's a couple of dates that we use as a rule of thumb. The granular base needs to be underway by July 4th if we're going to open that field up for varsity football in the fall. That's usually a specific date that we have to hit. That gives us the ability to install the turf system. Northview Stadium up in Ankeny was forced to meet a solid date. It was the first year that they were playing an Ankeny versus Ankeny game at Northview Stadium, and the turf field had to be done by that date no matter what. No alternative venue was available. So they were able to install that turf field in 12 days. There's quite a bit of hectic work associated with that. They can do it quicker, but we would recommend allowing at least 30 days for that field installation. If you don't have a big hurry and you can put that in in the fall, just remember that there's quite a few adhesives associated with installation of different field markings and joining together the turf rolls that you will have to hit some minimum temperatures. Usually mid-October is another date that we shy away from doing any work after from a cost standpoint, one area that we've seen people underestimate is the excavation for existing topsoil. If you have a natural field that's been there for years and years, you could have two feet of topsoil in there when you take into account a 1.5% crown on the field. So you could have upwards of 5,000 cubic yards of soil to haul out. That could be in excess of $50,000 just to haul the soil out. That's a big amount. It's hard to hide that someplace on site. We want to make sure we include that in any of the construction budgets and cost estimates. We talked about the soil treatments. We want to make sure we carry an allowance in case we need that for poor weather or have to hit a particular date if we have a tight schedule, about $100,000 potentially if we had to fly ash the entire field. We recommend budgeting about a million dollars to 1.3 for a full new field system installation. If you already have a field and you're looking to replace it, we're using a budget of about six to $700,000 for that effort. We've been lucky enough to replace a couple of fields. One of them, we had done the original one. We're seeing about 10 to 12 years of life out of the fields. If you have a lot of sports teams that use a facility, you have a lot of shared programs, it'll be closer to the 10 to 11 year time frame. If you're just one school using it and trying to limit scheduling on there, you might get 12 to 13 years. Typically in that 10 to 12 year range, you start to see some problems with spot failures in the granular base. You might see some field pieces coming apart, seams starting to fail. It can start to affect player safety. So we'll want you to inspect those fields regularly, work with the product installer and make sure that all of those warranty items are kept up to speed. By year eight, you should be in good shape. Then the name of the game is to try to maximize the use of that field before you have to do a replacement because as you saw it was fairly significant six to seven hundred thousand dollars thank you for listening to snyder and associates podcast series a civil engineering planning and design firm focused on thinking beyond engineering to improve quality of life within the communities we serve find content related to this episode on snyder-associates.com